0: We're going to uh, continue our series entitled Soul Food as we look to nourish our souls at the beginning of this year. And I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying the food over the holidays here. Some of my favorite meals have been cooked over the New Year's and Christmas holiday. Uh, I, had a, I had a nice family time where my brother-in-law made steak and shrimp for, uh, for New Year's Day. It was a great celebration. I don't know about you. Anybody here, food lover, anybody here have a kind of the doorway to your heart is through your stomach? I mean, that's me. I love a well-made meal. I have some of my favorite meals that we eat during this holiday time, The little lutefisk. No, I'm just kidding. I don't like lutefisk. But, but there are some great foods that we eat. And one of the fun things that I like about uh, food in general is just watching some young children learn how to eat. Just those little babies, you know. Remember that time where your child or your grandchildren where they get out of, you know, the, that they get into that high chair and they just start learning to eat. They get that little cereal and they you kind of mix it up and you kind of stick it in that kid's mouth. And what happens? Inevitably, spits it right out you got to get a bib on this kid because it's going down their cheeks and it's going in their ears or getting in their hands. And they have the hardest time learning how to eat food. As good as it is, as, as important as it is, these young babies have to learn how to eat. And oftentimes, in the early years, they can look like this photo of a child trying to eat spaghetti. You know, it kind of gets in the hair, you know, it kind of gets a bowl on the head. And, and the kid's upset. Because he's got all this food around him. It's in his ears and his nose, but it's not in his stomach. And oftentimes, we can act the same way. We in America have not only an abundance of food, but we have an abundance of spiritual food. We have different churches and and Bibles and retreats and conferences and and commentaries and training materials and radio programs and podcasts and, and videos and all this food, but we don't know exactly What to do with it? We can reach for it. We can get it in our hair. We can get it in our ears. We can get it in our nose, but not necessarily down into our souls. We have all this food, but we don't necessarily know how to feed our souls. Willow Creek did a fascinating study a few years ago here called Reveal. And they researched their own church and about 500 other churches and they they found some interesting insights They learned that they're doing some things really well. They have excellent teaching excellent programs They have a, some people that are distant from God are coming closer to God But one of the big holes in their organization in, in their church and in many other American churches is that once people come to faith They have a hard time growing in their relationship with God They learn this important insight in their organization by offering excellent biblical teaching. They're indirectly teaching people to depend on others to feed them. They they taught people to depend upon the pastor or the speaker or the retreat leader or the Bible study leader to give them food to eat and never learning how to feed themselves, to nourish themselves. Their own souls are almost trapped in that high chair, needing someone to feed them or reaching for food and not necessarily knowing how to feed themselves. See, they never learned how to go from the high chair over to the booster chair, over to the head of the table and eventually to the kitchen to feed your own soul in order to feed others. And that's a big problem. And it's not only a problem in well, Creek is the only problem in many American churches. It's a problem in many American Christians' lives. We have all this spiritual food. We have conferences and retreats and books and magazines and podcasts and radio programs and, and all this stuff. But sometimes it doesn't get into where it's needed most, into our souls. And, and did you know that the, the biblical illiteracy rate is actually increasing in America? A Gallup survey shows that fewer than half of Americans can name the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Only one third know who delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, many named Billy Graham and not Jesus. And uh, 80%, according to the Barner Research poll, showed that born again Christians believe that the Bible says God helps them that help themselves. And some of you might be thinking, that's not in there? It's not. God does not help them, or help so that's not in the Bible. But this is the one I enjoyed the most. Barna Research showed that 12% of Christians think that Noah's wife was Joan of Arc. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but that's what the research showed. That we have all this spiritual food, we have all this stuff that we can listen to or read or download into our lives, but it doesn't get down to our souls. It doesn't connect to where we need it the most. We've never learned to get out of the high chair and into the booster chair and then into the table, into the head of the table, into the kitchen so you can feed yourself and then feed others because that's the goal. That's the goal of the Christian life. That's the goal of our church. Our mission is go, love, live. It's really simple. It's go and make more disciples, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and live in freedom and community. But in order to go out... And, and make more disciples and go out and serve other people. you got to know how to feed your soul. you got to have this strength within you to not only feed your soul, but then give bread and nourishment, spiritual nourishment to others. And that's why we're doing this series, Soul Food. Started it last week, we're going to end it next week, and we're going to look at how we can feed our souls and grow in our relationship with the God so we don't start off strong and then sputter along the way, but really consistently connect. With our heavenly Father, so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Psalm 119. It's on page 610 in your pew Bibles. And in Psalm 119, David writes a fascinating and very long psalm, but it's very insightful for us as we seek to feed our souls. Now you got to remember, David was just a simple man. He's not a college graduate. He's not seminary trained. He's just a warrior turned king. But he's described as a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 119, verse 97, and following, he says some fascinating things about how we can connect to God and feed our soul. Psalm 119, verse 97 says this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. He says, I love it. I love this book. I love your law. Now, David's not referring to even the Gospels. He's not referring to the epistles. He's not even referring to the Psalms. David's referring to the, to the Old Testament, most likely the first seven books of the Bible. He's focused on the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah. And he says, I love this law. I love it. And, 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 and I've read that. Maybe you have read it too. And quite honestly, it isn't, the, it isn't the most exciting read. But David read it. And he meditated on it. And his conclusion that even though it was hundreds of years old, even at his time... He saw it and he loved it and he meditated on God's law all day long. He says, I read it in the morning and I thought about it during the day and then I came back to it at night and I thought about it and and I filled my mind with thoughts of you. I don't know what you think about during the day. I don't know what goes through your mind. Maybe it's work or school or kids or other stuff. But David meditated on God's Word. He thought about God all day long. And then verse 98, he says this, Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. David says, your commands make me wise. I know how life works. I don't only really learn from my own mistakes. I've learned from the mistakes of others and I've chosen a path that's different. I'm wiser than my enemies for your word is ever with me. Your word is here. It's with me. I meditate on it. I, I've learned from the mistakes of others. I'm wiser than my enemies. Verse 99 says this. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I'm wiser, uh, I'm, I'm wise beyond my years. You ever hear that, that phrase before? I'm, I'm wise or you're wise beyond your years. I'm wiser than my teachers. I'm wiser than my instructors. I'm wiser than the people that are, that are supposed to be teaching me. And why is David wiser? For or because I meditate on your scriptures. I don't just study it just for head knowledge. I let it sink into my soul. I, I, I rephrase it. I, I meditate on it. I, I think about it, and it goes down to my soul. Now, now, meditation has some negative connotations, and rightfully so. I mean, Eastern meditation is, is an emptying of the mind towards nothingness. But biblical meditation is just the opposite. It's a filling of the mind with God's laws, God's truths, God's words. And that's what David's saying here. He's saying, I'm meditating, I'm filling my mind with thoughts of you and your word. And because of that, I have more insight than my teachers. I'm wiser than my enemies. Verse 100, David continues, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. Do you hear the progression? First, he says, You know, I'm wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my teachers. I have more understanding than my elders. The leaders in the community, I have more understanding than they do. And why does David have more insight or more understanding than the elders? Well, in verse 20, it says, For I obey your precepts. I don't just read about it. I don't just meditate on it. I obey. Obey your precepts. I do what your word tells me to do. I obey your word. Just like John talked about last week with Ezra. Ezra studied, he practiced, and he taught the word of God. He studied, and he practiced, and he obeyed God's words. One of the things that I've noticed about young people is that oftentimes they can get things a little bit quicker than us older folks. I mean, young people have this way of, of absorbing information and then acting on it a little bit quicker than some of us that are older. I mean, we like to think about it when we're older. We like to kind of muse it over and, and ask questions. And, and in a biblical context, look at the Greek or the Hebrew and look at the context and, and go through all that. Sometimes we struggle with the analysis or the paralysis of analysis. We think about it all day long, but we don't necessarily obey and do what God's called us to do. But David says, I gain understanding because I obey. He says, I have more understanding than my elders for or because I obey your precepts. There is a saying uh, that I once heard. It goes like this. To understand why, submit and apply. I I love that little phrase there. You may want to write that down. To understand why, submit and apply. I love that little phrase. Why, why don't you repeat that after me? OK, to understand why to admit and apply to understand why submit and apply. It's a great little phrase. It's a great little understanding because in substance, it's saying that obedience brings clarity. Once you get to the underside of obedience, once you do what God says, you kind of look back and you say, wow, God, that was a great idea. I didn't necessarily understand it at the time, but now that I'm on the other side of obedience and I look back, I say, that was, that was really wise. That was really smart. I'm glad I followed God's ways. Even though I didn't understand it, I still did it. This has happened to me multiple times in my life. Uh, when I first heard that, that, that God instructs us to give a minimum of 10% of our income to Him, uh, I was like, what? What? Why would I want to do something like that? I mean, I got, I got bills to pay. You know, I got debt. I got plans. I, I mean, I hear God has, you know, cattle on a thousand hills. What does he need my money for? You know, why would I want to do that? And I didn't necessarily get it, but I tried it. I started to give. And after giving, I started to experience the joy of giving and the peace of planning ahead and giving generously. And now I understand why. Because once we give, there's this sense of freedom and joy in participation in God's work. didn't get it at the time, but I tried it and I experienced God's joy of giving. Uh, that, 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 that's not the only situation. One time I was studying God's word and, and, and I understood my freedom in Christ, that I'm free in Christ, that I can basically do whatever I want to do. But then I read in Galatians 5 where Paul says, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but rather serve one another in love. I said, serve one another? I thought freedom was kind of do whatever you want. But God says, no, freedom is best expressed in service to others. Didn't really get that. Didn't really understand that. Then I tried it. Tried to serve, tried to give, tried to participate with others, and I experienced the joy of service. See, to understand why, submit and apply. Obedience brings clarity. Just do it. And once you obey, you look back and you say, wow, God was right. I didn't get it at the time, but I tried it, and now I understand God's ways because I did it. I'm so glad that I followed his instructions because I'm wiser than my elders as a result. Now, now David continues in, in verse 101 and 102. He says this, I have kept my feet from every evil path so I might obey your word. There it is again. I might obey your word. I have kept my feet From every evil path so that I might obey your word. But then he says this, verse 102, I love this. He says this, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. You yourself have taught me. You, God, have taught me. David, that, 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 that sounds a little bit personal. I mean, that that sounds a little bit close. I mean, that sounds as if God himself is our teacher, is our guide, is our personal trainer, is our mentor. It sounds as if you're telling me that God himself is teaching you. Is that what you're meaning, David? Yeah. David would say, yeah. As, As I study God's word, as I meditate, as I obey God's words, it's just like God himself is teaching me coaching me, and mentoring me in the way I should go. As I study, as I meditate, as I apply God's word, it's almost as if God is feeding me. And I'm not dependent upon somebody else to put food in my mouth, but he himself feeds me. Because that's how God speaks to us. It's through his word. It's through his word. He teaches us, he instructs us, he guides us, Through his word, as we daily read his word, God speaks to us. Now, some of you have experienced this. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you get up in the morning and you read God's word, and the words just pop out at you. Or some other time in your journey, or maybe even recently, you've been reading God's word, and it's almost as if God himself was speaking to you. And he's saying, hey, I want you to go this way. I want you to go that way. Or the words just come out. Or some truth is renewed in your life. And you know what to do in the circumstances you're in. Because God himself is teaching you as you study, as you meditate, and as you apply God's word to your life. Because that's what God's done. That's what he does. As we read his word, he feeds our souls. I've got a Bible here. It's one of my first Bibles that I, I ever... Received, And it was really when I first became a follower of Christ. And as you can tell, you know, the cover's off and, and it's pretty, pretty well worn. And uh, I devoured this, little, this, this Bible. And if you look through this Bible, you see all these little notes, these little underlines, little dates, where, where God spoke to me about a decision that I had to make or uh, a challenge that I had in my life. And uh it's really a, a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness. And if you look at this cover here, it says it's presented to Chad Anthony Gerard Erlenborn. That's my full name, wrote that in there when I was first a Christian here. And it has the date here, December 24th. I don't even remember what day it was, probably 89. And then, then I put down, by Jesus Christ. You know, I was kind of young in my faith. I says, Jesus Christ has given me this word. And, and I look it back now, I says, you know, that, that's a little bit strange, a little bit... Goofy that I would write, you know, by Jesus Christ, giving me this Bible. But then upon reflecting upon David's word, isn't that what David said? That that as I read God's word, it's just as if God himself was teaching me, instructing me, giving me directions on the decisions that I make. Whether to go this way or that way or what to do with my life. See, that's what David says next. In, 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 in verse 105, in 105, David says these next words. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light for my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, for, for my path. You yourself direct my feet. You help me, direct me where I should go. Now, the word picture here is really clear. You know, it's like, it's like you're going down a dark alley or, or a dark, uh, in the dark of night, And you don't have a flashlight, you don't have a fog light, you just got this little lamp. And you have enough light just to take that next step, or that next step. You You have enough light to take the next step of faith. In whatever situation you're in, as you read, as you study, as you obey God's Word, He gives you enough light to take the next step in your relationships, in your work, In your parenting, in your family, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's as almost as if you yourself are teaching and directing me in the areas where I live. See, that's amazing. That's what God's Word is to us. It's amazing. It gives us light and direction on the path and the steps we should take in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our lives. As we read, as we meditate, as we obey God's Word, He gives light to the circumstances that we face. As we delight in God's Word, as we study His Word, He directs our paths. Now, David goes on and says in verse 103, just to jump back a little bit, he says this. How sweet are your words to my taste. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth. How precious, how sweet, how tasteful these words are. They're like honey to my mouth. They're like my favorite dessert or my my favorite food. It's just so nourishing. It's so wonderful. It's so special. It's so beautiful. Your words are to my my mouth. And no wonder... No wonder this is so precious because God himself is teaching him. God himself is instructing him. That's why it's so special, it's so sweet to have God's word in his life. There's a great tradition that was done back in, the, in days of old when rabbis would be teaching their pupils about God's word. Uh, they'd be studying for hours and at the end of their time of studying, as the pupils were, would be leaving, the rabbi would put just a little bit of honey on the lips of the children. And they would say, May the word of God be as sweet as honey on your lips what a great picture may the word of god be as sweet as honey on your lips may you delight in god's word in such a way that you hear his voice and he directs your path that he himself instructs you and feeds your soul we've got a I got a special guest here today, and he's a guy that has been feeding his soul now for a number of years. And he not only has, he's not only feeding his own soul, he's not only moving from, you know, the high chair to the booster chair to the head of the table, he's also moved into the kitchen. Where he's not only feeding his own soul, but he's also feeding the souls of others. His name is Jeff Drugsma, and he's a missionary in Brazil. He's the son of Eleanor and Stan Drugsma, members of our church. And I asked him to come on up here to help us grow in our connection with God and help us in our desire to feed our own souls. So would you join me in welcoming Jeff to the platform? So, Jeff, you came all, to, all the way from Brazil. What's the temperature down in Brazil right about now?
1: Right now, we're in the peak of summer. When we left, it was about 105. With some humidity, too.
0: I think I'd take 18 below, over 105, but uh, maybe that's just me.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> 105 <laughs> with all that humidity. I, I don't know about that. But anyway, we're glad that you're here. We're very it's delighted to have you here.
1: It's awesome to be here. Thank you all.
0: And you've been serving in Brazil for, for uh, about four years. Correct. And uh, doing church planning. Yes. And one of the things that I appreciate about you, Jeff, is your passion um, for God and his word and for sharing that with others. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work in Brazil before we kind of get into uh, our soul food discussion.
1: Okay. I would love to. We really focus on three areas in Brazil. God has called us to there. The first is bringing the good news. It's pretty simple, uh, going out and sharing Jesus through the word. The second is to develop, to find, to encourage, to train leaders, Brazilian leaders. If we're going to reach Brazil for Jesus, it's going to be through Brazilians. The third thing is through planting churches, through this uh, reaching the leaders and empowering and releasing the leaders. Because as you all know, after you come to Jesus, living in a community in God's family is an amazing thing.
0: Great. And uh, you're married. You have a few children.
1: Yes, I have my wife with me, if she would stand, Diane. And my oldest daughter, Jessica, is here with us. Jessica actually lives here in Maple Grove with you all. And her boyfriend, Stephen. And I have two other children, Drew and Hannah. They're uh, Drew is in Iowa uh, in a praise band this uh, Sunday morning. And Hannah, our youngest, who lives with us in rio is at a church convention
0: wonderful and uh and so you got you got a a lively family uh, you got an active ministry a a fairly busy life very busy and and so how do you set time aside to um, connect with god by by reading his word you just uh, help us understand maybe a little bit of your devotional life
1: okay that's easy uh number one a, a confession that really has come to me strongly the last couple years is, and my wife can attest to this, apart from the word of God, I'm really a dummy. (laughs) I need help. I can attest Uh, to that too. That's (laughs) me as well. I I, I can claim that. um, But I think the driving factor behind diving into God's word and staying in God's word is the realization of two things. Number one is as my relationship goes with the Lord... So goes my relationship with my wife, my children, my ministry, my brothers and sisters. The second is the realization of the battle out there. We live in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, Some parts of it are very beautiful. Some parts of it are very ugly, very dark. Um, It's a world filled with drug lords, drug lords with machine guns, the police with machine guns. It's a world with uh, sexuality is um, sick, depraved. It's a world where they worship spirits openly. Satan dances in the streets of Brazil in the open. Back here in the United States, when we visit, we see your beautiful city, beautiful country, the roads, the stores. It's an amazing place. That's on the surface, but I know and I see... Satan is tearing apart our families. I can I can attest to this. It is a battle out there. We have to stay strong in the Lord. I have to. I have to. Yeah. I can't do it my own.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, and I appreciate that, your passion for your daily reading. And if I remember the last time we spoke, that you've kind of you have your own little reading plan. You, you've read the, the Bible in a year, last three years, and, and that's kind of your regular routine. Just
1: yes, uh, I, I need a plan a discipline discipline plan. And I've really, it started years ago, well before going onto the field, because like you all, it's a battle here. I was in a battle before I got to the mission field. And so uh, it's something I've just carried over and took to the field.
0: That's great. And so as you've sort of been daily reading God's word, how has God himself taught you? How has God brought direction into your steps or on your path or some of the, the ways that he's spoken to you through his word?
1: I think the big thing with that is just transforming my mind. Um, and that, is, that happens over a long period of time. Unfortunately, my head's pretty thick and uh, takes a good beating from the Lord and through his word. Uh, so that as I come into situations, I'm, I'm ready for them. I, I try to take the word of God into, into my mind and heart so that I apply his practices, his ways, to my situations in life it's easy my human nature is to uh, use my own common sense my world of common sense and that doesn't work yeah
0: yeah so as you read god speaks to you and what principles but also some some direction on, on on decisions that you're making
1: absolutely there are occasions where a particular passage that i read for that day will hit home uh, for a situation that i'm in at the time but usually, it's it's pulling back on the on the word that he's poured into me over the years, and and being able to also because of that knowledge going back into it and and, and digging into this word and say, and just the richness, the encouragement. Yeah,
0: and you're not only feeding your own soul, but you're also feeding others. You're also training pastors in their pursuit of God. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. That's one. Of, that's the number one priority we have for our pastors is their walk with the Lord. We can teach them how to do amazing sermons. We can teach them how to organize their leaders. We can teach them uh, you know, to do amazing things. But if they aren't walking strong with the Lord, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. They're not going to be effective.
0: So what, what have you noticed you know, when you're in Rio, when you're kind of doing your own work? What have you noticed about your own soul when you're not daily in God's Word?
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's humbling because when I'm not in the Word... Temptation jumps out at me like a lion. My relationships uh, stagger. My ministry becomes ineffective. Uh, the world pulls, as you all know, uh, like a, a, a roaring lion just tearing at us. Yeah,
0: yeah I I've I felt the same way. Uh, now, uh, here here's the last one. If you could tell people just one thing about the value of daily Bible reading, uh, what would you say?
1: Um, I would say that um, it, it's it's about God has given us an incredible gift, his word. He's our savior. He has all the, he saves us, and then on top of it, he gives us a plan for our lives. And it carries over to our relationships. This book is full of how to deal with relationships. It's amazing. The world struggles in that area so deeply, so deeply, yeah. Yeah. So
0: um, as you have studied and meditated and applied God's word into your life, you're now sharing that with some of the leaders and potential leaders in the church. Can you just tell us about one, one of those uh, potential leaders or current leaders that, are, that you're ministering with or, or uh, joined in ministry in Brazil?
1: Sure. Um, one that uh, last year Diane and I worked closely with was a couple by the name of Anderlein LMR. And they work in a small church in Rio of about 30 people. And Vanderlei was very gifted in music and lmr too. And they were content, uh, satisfied, safe in music, staying in music. Uh, but this little church that they were ministering at needed a leader, needed a pastor. And we saw that uh, Vanderlei was very diligent in his word. He always was pouring into the Bible. And uh, going out, and God led us to challenge him just to give it a talk one night, a little talk to the church. And out of him poured the word, mm-hmm. and people listened. Mm-hmm. And so we challenged him, okay, we want you to preach. And so he did. He said, "Ah," oh, but he, he was scared. He was scared. We just said, speak what God is telling you to your people. And that's what he did. And the people listened because they knew his character. They knew that God had poured Himself into them through the through the Word. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, uh, thank you so much for obeying the call in your life and joining the church in Brazil and being an example for us from a person that's going from from the high chair to the booster chair to the head of the table and into the kitchen, and not only feeding your own soul, but then feeding others.
1: Amen. I have one verse I'd love to share: okay. Psalm one forty three eight, and uh, to hear again from David in this. Uh, Uh, recently memorized that, and forgive me if I've screwed up. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for unto you I lift my soul. Praise God.
0: Let's give it up for Jeff. Oh, how I love your law, David said. It's like sweet honey on my lips. It feeds my soul. It nourishes my mind. It directs my step. I move. I grow in my relationship with you from the high chair, the booster chair, to the kitchen, and I feed my soul so I can feed others. See, that's the goal, that's the plan. That's where God is leading us in such a way that we're growing and feeding ourselves so that we can then, in turn, feed others. Now, this is the time of year. This is our first Sunday in 2010. It's a time of year we can make New Year's resolutions. We can make a resolution where we're going to change our eating habits or we're going to exercise more, we're going to visit friends or family or go on vacation. But if you could just do one thing, one thing consistently over the next year i would just encourage you to read this word this precious word that god has given to us but not just read it study it meditate on it talk about it and then apply it to your life for if you do he himself will speak to you and he'll direct your paths and he'll give you insights so that you can make choices in consistent with his will for your life have a in your program. You have a little soul food uh, reading plan. You can just grab that out of your program. There, it's a little soul food reading plan. It's a six month reading plan to get through the New Testament. And so this could kind of be your half year New Year's resolution. All right. So a half year New Year's resolution is to read the New Testament. Over the next six months and I'm really inviting everybody to do this in our church Maybe you already have a reading plan that you already are using if you could just add this to that so that we as a community Could encourage one another in our daily Bible Bible reading I'm doing it. Our staff's doing it. Our elders actually came up with the plan. They're doing it Our leaders are doing it so that we can ask one another. Hey, how goes your walk? How are you doing in your daily devotions? Did you see what God said to us in Matthew chapter 7 this week? Is God speaking to you? May we encourage one another to daily read God's word together so that we can experience his voice and his direction in our lives and so our souls would become satisfied. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the clarity of your word and the gift that it is to us. You wrote it through, thousands, over, through many authors and over many years. But you have given it to us. And I just ask that as we take the time to set aside to read and study and meditate and apply your word. That you would speak to us. That you would direct our steps. And that we would be a community of, of, of people that are so satisfied in you. That we cannot help but feed others. In Jesus' name, amen.